Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Work Well Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Reese Jr., and today my guest is Joy Sorensen Navarre. And she is the president and CEO or president and founder of Navigate Student Loans. Joy, welcome to the show. Joe, I am so excited to be here. Thank you very much. We are honored to have you. Joy is another um member here at Wellworth. And how long have you been here at Wellworth? It's been more than a month and less than a year. No, I think it's coming up on a year. I was you know, can I tell you a little story? Yeah, of course. So I have my own home office that I love, but we have a lot of company that comes into town, like people from Mexico, people from the East and West Coast, because, uh, well, long story. So when I have people at my house, it's really hard to work. Mm-hmm. Very distracting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kids are running through the background, you know. <laughs> uh, and so for many years, I had a different co-working space. Mm. But then at the pandemic... They didn't make it. Yeah. And then it was the pandemic and I didn't really want to be out. Right. And then the pandemic lasted a long time. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get out. And I had sort of checked into Wellworth and, um, um, and they were really kind and they offered me a tour. And so I thought, well, let me just check. Okay. The first minute I walked in, fell in love. It's like amazing space. Just fabulous. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's beautiful. It's great natural lighting, as you can see flowing through the uh, yeah. studio here. <laughs> Joy, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, well, number one, what is Navigate Student Loans? And number two, uh, who does it serve? Mm, glad to. Yes. So Navigate Student Loans is a company that was founded under the idea that, um, When a person has student loans, well, let me back up. When any of us choose a certain career, it takes a certain investment to make that career happen. Mm -hmm. And so for physicians in our world, that investment and commitment is a huge amount of time and a huge amount of dollars. And I think I'm a former financial advisor and I do a lot of thinking and I'm a public policy wonk. And so I'm always thinking big picture and I, think, I know the student loan system in the U S is broken. Mm. And when I think about what is one of the most important things in our communities, it's our health. And when I think about who's helping us be healthy, it's our physicians Mm -hmm. and they've got to incur these huge student debts in order to be smart, to help us. And I'm part of this broken system because I'm a healthcare consumer. Um, and so long story that I told you at another time that, um, I just got really smart on student loans to help one person and then ended up saving him $200,000 on his student loans Mm. and then called the, uh, what was it now? 30 people in my book of business that had student loans that were pharmacists and physicians and saved them lots and lots of money. And then I said, this is all I want to do. (laughs) And so I started navigate and, uh, yeah, that's six, seven years ago now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, um, student loans in general is a, I mean, it's a hot topic of discussion right now. Yeah. Um, how does, what, what is the process for somebody who comes to you? Number one, how do they find you? But number two, um, what, what all encompasses navigate student loans when somebody <laughs> actually comes? Yeah, that's a good question. So our typical customer would be a health system. 
So here in the Twin Cities, Health Partners is one of our customers. And so they take us on as an employee benefit for their employed physicians. Oh, nice. And so then whether it's as a candidate, as they're thinking about taking a job with Health Partners, they send them a link to schedule an appointment with us. Because one of the things, you know, maybe you don't know this, but um, if you're a physician with a student loan, you have this high sense of responsibility to yourself and your family because these numbers are so huge. Like quarter million dollars is one of the smallest numbers we see. Wow. And just <laughs> last week we saw $800,000 of oh, student wow. loans, one person. Mm. So they're huge. And um, when a physician is job hunting, one of the things they'll ask their physician recruiter is, so what can you do for me mm. about my student loans? Sure. Perfect question. Recruiter know that question's going to come up. and. A hospital system isn't placed financially so they can just say, okay, well, here, have a half a million dollars to pay off your student loans. You know, that doesn't work. And so instead they can offer, there's lots of signing bonuses and student loan incentives, you know, 25,000, 50,000. Sometimes you see a hundred thousand over 20,000 a year for five years, for example. And um, instead they can say, and we've got these great experts. They're national experts. They can sit down with you and figure out exactly the best way to save you the most money on your student loan repayment. Mm. And so that's what we do. Okay. So to answer your question, how, Joe, I'm just going on and on here. So it's like Sorry. a consultancy. Uh, right. It is. Helps. Okay. So when a, um, uh, back up a couple, a couple steps there. So you started um, Navigate. Six, seven years ago, you said? Okay. And, and and prior to that, you were in which business again? Financial advising. Financial advising. So you've always been kind of uh, encapsulated by this uh, this world. Exactly. <laughs> what, are you just a numbers person who loves to be around that type of strategy, strategizing? Or yeah. is, is there a deeper deeper personal reason why you're, yeah. you're involved in it all? Um, or both. Yeah. So my dad was a mathematician. Mm. Right? I love numbers and math. And, but really what drives me is I think for me anyway, that place where like the world's greatest need and my greatest happiness come together. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be spending my time doing. So I started out with a degree in social work. Just oh. direct helping, right? Absolutely right there. And I worked in downtown St. Paul for many years in the public housing high rises, helping people, especially with mental illness. Oh, wow. Right? Then I started working on affordable housing, was the executive director of MICA for 12 years, did a lot of fundraising in that position and a lot of public policy work. Um, so that's when I really understood that if people are smart about their money, they can put their money to work for them for social justice or for public policy change. So that's what took me to being a financial advisor. Wow, so all of this, it, it really comes full circle then. Yeah, it does. It, I mean, cause when you think about all of it, it's all uh, <laughs> pretty much social work. You're, you're, yes. you're sitting there with somebody discussing um, a change in their life that they, right. they need to address. So, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, and it's often a tough topic to talk about. Like, oh, gosh, who wants yeah. to talk about student loans? Really? No, nobody. Right, exactly. <laughs> Trying to navigate that with my uh, daughter right now. Oh, very good. <laughs> we'll talk. No charge. <laughs> yeah. um, so you help people not just in St. Paul, correct? Oh, right. All, all across all, the country. All across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, NavigateStudentLoans.com. That's right. It, uh, exactly. They're on the screen for you all to, to see. What is some of some advice that you could offer somebody um, 
just in, from a financial standpoint in general, when it comes to um, not just student loans, but just because you are involved in that or have been involved in that world um, with so much debt mm-hmm. out there in our lives. And yeah. I mean, we're a society full of debt. Yeah. What are some steps that people can take to begin changing that in their own personal life? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, you know, what comes to mind is, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder if it's generational, right? Um, just thinking like society right now today mm-hmm. and what's sure. happening. Um, and so. And the reason I ask that yeah. is because right now, uh, kind of this generation is asking a lot of questions about uh, when it comes to the education system right. and the things they're teaching and l- learning and not learning yeah. in school. Um, is that something that you think that could and should be financial literacy is something that, um, can be intertwined into the, the school systems? Absolutely. School systems and parenting and, you know, talking to your friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think for some people it comes naturally. I don't know. Maybe there's people in your family that are just really good with money. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, uh, like. Uh, I've got a grandson and like he's out on the corner selling stuff you know, right. in the summertime yeah. Yeah. and making money. And then he's like taking his friends out cause he loves to <laughs> be social. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's sort of a mindset about entrepreneurism, mm-hmm. which I think can be really cool for, you know, young people and, and folks like myself even, right. Sure. I've started two businesses now. I love the idea of like finding a niche and, and building something new. Um, but back to the question, I think being intentional about your money, spending time thinking about planning, there's so many resources right now available. And then um, if you're someone that is more like, a, I'd like to delegate my money, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of services that can sure. help. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point that there are a lot of services out there that, and that's something too, that um, maybe isn't promoted enough because there are, I mean, some of it is like you said, generational. Some of it is um, just passed down from what you see within your family, things like that. And um, when you don't have that backing in your family, it's good to know that there are resources out there. So that's something I think um, just in society that I think we need to kind of uh, promote a little bit better. Um, Back up a little bit. You you told me this story. It was an awesome story about your grandson. Um, her grandson. I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell the story. It was, it's a very cool. <laughs> so Joe and I both have a relationship with the West side of St. Paul. And, um, I love that neighborhood. In fact, today, just, just across the river from Wellworth and just driving over today, I saw, uh, three neighbors walking and I'm like, Oh, well there's, you know, so-and-so sure. like I lived in that neighborhood for so long. I can be driving along and see people that I know. It's like, Oh, feels like old home. Right. I love that. Well, so the same thing happens with my grandson. So they don't live on the West side anymore, but he loves to come back and visit because he grew up on the West side. He's a young teenager right now. And in the summertime, he'll get a call or he'll call his buddies and they'll be like, Hey, let's go sell something. And so often they'll take a cooler with ice and they'll run down to the El Burrito or some of the other little grocery store and buy like 12 packs and put them on ice of, you know, 12 packs of water or Coke or whatever it is. And plus some kind of candy. They've got a whole strategy about what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. They've done this so much. And they just, you know, the aqueduct on George, you know, that Robert and then George goes over. Sure. That's where they set up. 
Like there's no place to park there. (laughs) It's like busy, (laughs) like stop signs. Doesn't matter. They're out there with their cooler and um, like, I don't know, their bikes or chairs. I don't know what they even have set up there. (laughs) And I'll get a call from like a girlfriend. She'll be like, Joy, I think I just saw your grandson. He's out selling on the corner. I'm like, oh, that's where he is. (laughs) But what I love about this story is that um, often like men in the neighborhood that also grew up in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. who have this just compassion for the next generation, they'll stop by and they'll buy something. Right. And they'll leave a tip or I was out there one day with him last summer and like this guy came by on a motorcycle and then he came by in a fancy old car. Then he came by in a different kind of classic car. And each time he had like his girlfriend with them and they'd stop and they'd jaw with, you know, the young, the (laughs) young people, but he'd buy something every time, like two bucks, five bucks, whatever. But the idea was that like he was supporting this entrepreneurial spirit of these Mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. So I hope that was the story you wanted yeah, to hear. Yeah, and um, <laughs> building on that, I remember seeing um, Sakura Restaurant down here in downtown St. Paul <laughs> posting on their social media page about this group of young boys mm-hmm. <laughs> who who made their own money and came down to uh, to eat. And the the waiter was uh, like, "You guys know this costs money, right?" <laughs> that was <laughs> they, my grandson. They pull out this wad of money. <laughs> they do right out of their these ones exactly all crumpled up. How old were they at that? At they were that 13. 13. Okay. And they did not have their grandma's permission to walk across <laughs> the Wabasha Bridge up to Sakura. But, uh, um, and I, but I did say, hey, did you leave a tip? Oh, yeah, grandma, we left a tip. So we're good. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a great story. Sometimes entrepreneurship um, just runs in the blood. Totally. <laughs> so, Joe, how'd you become your own business owner? Have you done this like always or? Yeah, I started out in uh, the real estate industry. <laughs> 20, when I was, uh, 20 years old. So I did that. I was in real estate and mortgage industry for about 15 years. And, um, the, um, you know, I had my investment properties and my own properties and whatnot. And then, uh, I was a victim of, uh, two things, the financial collapse (laughs) and, uh, the real, that that real estate collapse, uh, really, really crushed me. But also I was, um, I was young, you know, I was a young guy had making a decent living, yeah. not coming from much money. You know, my dad was a, uh, union truck driver his entire nice. life. And, um, my mom was a, she was a stay at home mom for much of my childhood. But then, um, as I got into high school, she became a, um, a daycare manager at, mm-hmm. um, Guadalupe area oh. or alternative project sure. yep. and right there. And, uh, so we, we didn't, you know, we had enough, always had enough. My parents always exactly. made sure we had enough, but, uh, here I was at, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26, that, that range and, uh, making good money yeah. and, you know, not making great decisions with <laughs> exactly. that money as exactly. well. So, um, not understanding that the gravy train doesn't always last. Right. And, uh, that, Financial collapse was a, a big eye opener. <laughs> Long story short, lost a lot of things, but um, things can be replaced and money can be replaced. Nice. And uh, always had the kind of the, I guess you would say the bug for entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that doesn't really leave you those ideas. And oh, you're always thinking, aren't you? The ways you can make yeah. things better and the things that you yep. can do to help people. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> um, in 2003, um, I also, I co-founded the Manhattan Film Festival in New York City with my best friend. 
Um, and that was something that we kind of, um, as teenagers, we were filmmakers and made, made some films and things like that. And, um, we were kind of, um, discussing like this was when we first started that in 2000 and, uh, 2006, actually we, um, it was a kind of a hybrid of a festival nuance that was never done before where we were the first online company to stream uh, long form video content on the internet. So our concept was to invite people to submit their films to us and we would stream them on our website Cool. and the viewing public would come to the website. They'd watch the films they'd give them a rating. Ah. And what we did, we had an online competition. We took the top 21 films from that online competition and brought them to our physical festival in New York city. Oh, wow. Uh, At the time it was, the festival was held at the uh, acclaimed Tribeca cinemas, which was uh, Robert De Niro's uh, theater and where the Tribeca film festival was held. Um, over time, we kind of outgrew that outgrew that um, venue and kind of moved to various venues in Manhattan. Um, so we went from a a three day festival that we where we streamed twenty one films to what is now in twenty twenty two a fourteen day film festival that uh, screens <laughs> over a hundred films. Oh, man. so. Um, that's been our baby since <laughs> 2006. So, nice. um, learning, you know, about partnerships and sponsorships mm-hmm. and things like that and navigating a whole different realm, but yeah. still in the business world yeah. was, uh, something that's, you know, always been part of me for the last, yeah, what is that? And how many years is <laughs> it? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so all of that. And then, um, in the midst of all that, I went back to school, got my marketing degree, okay. and um, this whole new world of social media was around and um, started playing around with that. And then my love for video and filmmaking mm-hmm. and the fact that that is so intertwined in social media today, yeah. it all kind of came again full I'm circle. I'm it. <laughs> so um, now I just, um, I, I manage the social media uh, marketing agency and um, oversee the day-to-day of our clients' uh, social media presence and branding and things like that. So, nice. And are you still involved with the Manhattan Film Festival? Um, I, I'm i still involved as the co-founder. Um, okay. I'm not involved in the day-to-day. day-to-day. Okay. So yeah. we've got our team out there. Um, unfortunately, that uh, team... Well, it grew back. It's growing back slowly, but we, you know, everybody had to kind of step back after the whole pandemic. Um, but um, slowly but surely, things are coming back. We we were the first festival last year to do things in person, nice. um, which was very cool because everybody everybody else did follow suit and you know do things Came in person. Um, and and that was a that was a interesting and, and telling time, I think, because it was. It, it's felt like we were at that tail end of things, you know. All right, we did think we were at the tail end. <sighs> and then, of um, yeah, because it was so. This was in June of last year, okay. and um, I'm out there, and it, it's the same weekend of our, our kickoff weekend was the same weekend of um, Pride yeah. in, in New York City. So 
Um, and, and our main hub was at cinema village, which is in the uh, West village of Manhattan. And, um, that is where they host the big pride parade and cool. the big festival. So it was very festive Damn, at the time yeah. we had our festival, we had the pride festival going on. So it was packed. Yeah. Like the streets were shut down. Yeah. It was packed. Um, but no, no documented cases from right. our festival. Right. No, you know, it, we took all precautions and whatnot. Yeah. And so we thought we were, we were nice. at the end of things, yep. but then, um, this year now with, um, out there in New York with different mandates and different um, rules and not, not the mayor, not sure what he wants right. to move forward with things opening back up and uh, things are up in the air. You might have to go virtual again okay. with a lot of things, but um, as of right now, all right, let's hear it. We're, we're planning to be oh, in are? person. Okay, so good. Um, we're moving forward as if things are going to be, be rolling, um, right. but we'll see. All right. <laughs> so that is, um, that's my long winded answer to your, your question. Well, I'm curious. <laughs> um, thank you. I love talking about business and like, yeah. you know, I've friends come over and they're like, can I run this idea by you? Right. And so I'm curious, you, you, you made a comment earlier about, you know, you always have ideas going through your head or you see opportunities or needs maybe is the word you used. Um, if you were to have like a tip for an entrepreneur, like someone who was starting out or someone um, who had like some ideas, you know, what do you think are the things that would lead a person to be successful? Cause it's tough to make money as an entrepreneur. It, it's yeah, a lot it, of luck, right? A lot of hard work, <laughs> a lot of luck, I think, you know? And um, yeah, I think there's a couple of different things. Um, number one, I think people need to understand, or they have to have a clear vision and yeah. understand what it is they want to accomplish yeah. Uh, because right now is a great opportunity for new business owners to um, really build their personal brand. Okay. And in return with that, it builds the brand of your company, mm -hmm. you know? So it be, because the, the reason behind that is, is that social media is so connected right now and people are really looking to connect with real authentic raw people, Got it. not just brands. Yeah. So huh. when you, when you think about it from that point of view, you start to develop your own personal brand, who you are, why you do what you do, your story, because at the end of the day, you're working with human beings right. and people like to, they like to connect with people who are similar to them. Yeah. Just in general, that's human nature. We, right. we connect with people who vibe with us, right? Yeah. So people want to hear those stories and connect with people who are similar to them and brands that are similar to them and represent their story and things that they connect with. So that's my main tip. Okay. I love to, that. To really focus on the personal side of yeah. things. Super. Which can be frightening, right? Because very, as very. an entrepreneur... Um, I think the temptation is to like, look big, mm -hmm. right? look professional, look, yeah. you know, and you're saying, well, that's okay. But like, don't lose track of, you know, like yep. the rawness of who you are as a person, right? Or yeah. the authenticity, the authenticity behind it. And it doesn't have to be hopping on a camera every, yeah. every day, you know, and, and, and talking directly to people. Some people like that. Some people don't, some yeah. people are so afraid of doing that, that the, it, yeah. it doesn't come across well. Yeah. So just, um, I mean, it could be anything focusing on the written copy and folk, you mm -hmm. know, writing, writing out your story to mm -hmm. people and adding in some images and things yeah. like that. Um, 
but tell that story somehow. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, the other so, day, someone, uh, I shouldn't say it, it was a couple of years ago, someone called me the lone lady. <laughs> and I didn't like that. Um, but um, I was doing, so, I do a lot of public speaking, you know, and yeah. so I had, I'd invested in a um, speaking coach and did a lot of classes with her and individual consulting. And um, she really liked that. And I think it was that idea of, you know, it's personal. Yeah. Right. And so even though the lone lady wasn't something I was like feeling proud of, you know, we used it for quite a while uh, in certain uh, industries just because seriously, I, I think I am the only female owned mm. student loan advisor in the country. Right. So well, that's very cool. There. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so um, there's a number of reasons, um, but sort of that idea of showing people who you are, who your business is yeah. and who's behind it. Yeah. yeah. The personal brand is huge. Yeah. It, it really, especially, I mean, right now more so than ever, I think people need to really, really embrace that. There's so many different opportunities online with it, yeah. whether it's through zoom, whether it's through social media, you know, utilizing yeah. social media to, to get people to zoom or YouTube, whatever yeah. it is, there's so much, so much potential there. Um, let's talk a little bit of how, how did you, get involved with the um, public speaking aspect of things. Is that, is that something that you really love to do as well? I do. As, okay. So, yeah. so how do how do those opportunities come along? Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, um, I've got two different like streams of consciousness happening at the same time, Joe. So um, first of all, I'm thinking like, how did I become a public speaker? Right. So that's the <laughs> yeah. first thing that's going yeah. through my head. And um when my dad was in the Air Force, this is a long story, okay. When my dad was in the Air Force, he was sent to Thule, Greenland. So he's mm. in his 20s. He'd been married to my mom for like three months. She cried for many, many months oh, because he was going to have to go to Thule, Greenland for a year. And when he was there, he did this speaking organization called Toastmasters. Oh, sure. Like everybody knows yeah. about Toastmasters, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I've you know, and he was an excellent public speaker. You know, he was very involved in his church. He was very involved in like community things. And when he stood up to speak, people paid attention. And partly it was his training, right? In Toastmasters, because it's a spectacular mm. curriculum and great practice. And so fast forward many years, I'm, you know, now in my professional world and someone invites me to start a Toastmasters chapter right okay. here in St. Paul. Oh, wow. And yeah. so I'm like, well, my dad did it and I love my dad. I'm like, maybe I'll just do that. Right. And, and it was like part of my professional day. And so I got paid to spend an hour, you know, over lunchtime, uh, doing a Toastmasters club and I just fell in love with it. And I learned so many things. And for a long time, I'd hear somebody else talking and I think to myself, hmm, they've never been to Toastmasters, <laughs> right? Cause you can sort of tell if someone's like just winging it sure. or if they've really paid yeah. some attention and done some self-development. So I did that and I've, um, got lots of opportunities through that to speak. And then when I started the business, I'm trying to think like, how did that become a big part of what I'm doing? I think just because I was looking for marketing opportunities, right? Promotional opportunities, ways sure. to, you know, tell the story, get in front of people. And people are often looking for an expert in this topic. You said it yourself, yeah. it's, it's a hot topic and, and I love doing it. So, I mean, that's always, the more you love something, the better you can be at it. And it, the easier it is to then work towards doing it more. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how that started. And now I get called to be on podcasts and all kinds of things. It's, it's very fun. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking to associations. Yes. It's, 
it's it's a it's a good thing. <laughs> That's great. I I, I love um I lo- I just love your aura. You Aww. have just a, a really nice glow about you. Just um <laughs> thanks too. Just can tell you're a genuine yeah. genuinely nice person. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not you don't find that with everybody. A lot of people are very reserved and don't really yeah. give you a glimpse of who they yeah. are until you really tap into it. Um, you touched on self development. I feel like self-development and self-awareness right now is a, a great um, power. Ooh. I think people need to tap into that a lot more, especially mm-hmm. right now, because if you, I feel like if business wise, yeah. if you're, if you're self-aware and know your strengths yeah. and know what it is you want, know, you know, you totally. I feel like that gives you a leg up on from a business standpoint on on what it is you do, what it is you want to do and who it is you want to work with. And you talked earlier about your finding, finding that niche. Um, And not everybody needs to niche down. So to, so to speak, but if you know who you're serving and why, it's huge. It makes things so much easier. And and I love that your story really, really did come full circle mm-hmm. yeah. because you just genuinely like to help people. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but yeah. then, it, but then you encompass that with the financial literacy of, 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 of your own, like your own strength. Yeah. So you're very self-aware of that. Yeah. And that, I think that's why you're so successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. There's two things I want to comment about that. I'm very glad we're talking about this today. So I think we do personally, I think I do my best work when I'm doing stuff I love doing Mm. time flies. I can get a lot of things done quickly. Like these ideas come and like when I'm totally in my vibe, like that's when things are going great. I'm loving it. I'm happy. And what that means is that I'm not doing the stuff I don't like doing. Mm. All right. So, and I think sometimes when we're a small business owner, we think, Oh gosh, I got to do everything. So I think one of the things that was helpful to me was that early on when we started, like at the beginning, of course, you have to do everything because there's no money to hire anybody, right? right? right. Um, but once I got to the place where, okay, we're eating, <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but you know, when you're making money finally, yeah, yeah. Um, then it's like, okay, so who do I want to hire? And today, because a lot of people are doing side gigs, you can hire like a part-time person, a contract person, who could work like 10 hours a week and you could get a ton done. So that's part of what our system is. We have uh, 11 folks that are part of the navigate team, three are full-time. And then the other eight are all part-time gig workers. All doing exactly what they love doing Mm -hmm. for a small amount of time. And then they're doing other things too. Mm -hmm. Right. So the things that I don't like doing, I could, I got a whole long list of things and I'm not doing hardly any of that. Yeah. And I think that's part of the key to being successful Definitely, is not wait too long to get rid of that stuff. Cause Mm. there's someone else who loves doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There really is. That's a great point because um, I think we take on so much and, and think about the things that we hate doing that we don't realize that there actually are people who like that aspect (laughs) of things. And, 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 and right now uh, with, especially with technology, yeah. uh, there's a whole slew of people who will do those things, right. you know? I mean, there's virtual VAs and like, I mean, just like you said, gig workers who, yeah. who that's their sole job, yeah. you know, they just look for gigs doing what it is that you don't like doing. So yeah. that's very, Joe, do you know, there's someone 
who loves reading my emails. Oh gosh. Send him my way, please. Totally. <laughs> that has made, opened up so much time in my life. There's someone who answers all my emails and schedules oh, the appointments. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I don't have to worry about that kind of, cause I'm not good at like the details. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm great at details on numbers, but like give me too many details in a process and it's tough for my brain. Well, there's so much out there and there's so much information, especially with the technology that it's hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. And it, it is overwhelming too. Yeah. Like I just want to focus on the things that I I'm good at. I love doing then, exactly. And then everybody else can can yeah. handle the rest yeah. of it for me. Exactly. It helps things just run so much more smoothly. It does. It does. You know? And, and you you can't really grow either if you are taking on too much because you don't you end up not loving the whole thing. Right. You know, if you're doing everything that you don't like, right. it makes things more burdensome on yourself. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Well, listen, Joy, I, I don't want to keep you all day because we, we- We could go I, on I, forever, Joy. Hey, I'll have you back <laughs> on my my other podcast, definitely. And we could go on all day. Anytime. <laughs> but no, I appreciate you coming in today. Um, I've got up on the screen, Navigate uh, Student Loans, the website, www.navigatestudentloans.com. You can go there and find out more information on Navigate Student Loans and Joy's uh, story on there as well, her bio, and you can learn a little bit about her. But how else can people get in touch with you right now? You could email me, joy at navigatestudentloans.com. And Margaret, thank you, Margaret. She'll read those emails. (laughs) uh, Connect me to the people that uh, have good questions and questions that need help. Yeah. Excellent. And are are you guys Navigate on active on social media platforms right now? Uh, We are. We are on Twitter and LinkedIn. Okay. So you could just search Navigate Student Loans on Twitter and LinkedIn. And um, Joy's on LinkedIn as well, if you you, uh, feel... you, you can connect with her and she can help you in any way. Um, Joy, one last question. So it, Navigate Student Loans, is it the, the people you serve, is it anybody with student loan issues or is it just the, that specific industry right now? Right. This goes back to that niche question. Yep. Yep. And my, your comments about what's most important is, you know, um, you know, understand yourself. And for me, I think, for me, it has been figuring out what is the narrowest niche that I could ever focus on. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's not big financial advising. It's not only student loans. It's helping, it's not only helping physicians, but it's helping their employers. That's how narrow oh, sure. our work is. Yeah. And makes sense. what happens then is someone else will say, well, can you help me with my student loans? And the question is always yes. Right. We'll help everybody that has a right. student loan right. question, but I'm not spending my marketing dollars or my marketing time mm on anything except this one tiny niche. And now we are also doing some individual work with physicians. Sure. Um, that's a, that's a great point there that, that you just hit on. Cause actually. you can always say, Oh, of course I could help you with your student loans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when you have to spend marketing dollars to like, who am I going to try to target? Who's my target market? Right. That for us is very clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for uh, taking the time out of your day today to to come in and chat with us. Um, Again, you can find more information at www.navigatestudentloans.com. Everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Have a great day and remember to work well.